Hey, it's Carrie Robina, host of Dream Builders Podcast. And today on the show, I have a very special guest, one of my very closest, dearest friends who I met in the business world. Jennifer Allwood joins us to talk about her book that is timely for the season that we are living in right now with the COVID pandemic. She wrote this book over a year ago, and it is amazing to me how timely it is for us right now as a nation, as people, as women, and especially as business people. Now, let me go ahead and tell you about Jennifer Allwood. She is a passionate cheerleader of women who adds biblical truth to those of us who like to dream big and build on our dreams. She has a no-nonsense approach to doing the things that you are scared to do and saying yes to God. She is helping women everywhere build the life and business of their dreams. And when she's not coaching her nearly 3,000 clients each month, she lives in Kansas City with her family and her children. I live in Kansas City as well and just love this woman. You are going to really enjoy the interview that I had with Jennifer. And I will tell you, it's not going to be the sound quality that you are typically used to here on Dream Builders. As you know, I'm also a tech geek, so I tried recording a live interview on Facebook and pulling the audio. We didn't quite have the mics set up, right? So the sound quality isn't going to be that pristine sound that you're used to hearing, but I do know it's going to be worth it for you to listen to the show. Now let's go ahead and get into the interview with Jennifer Allwood on her new book, Fear is Not the Boss of You. You're listening to Dream Builders Podcast, designed to help you build your dream life through network marketing. Here's your host, Carrie Robina. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. And I am so excited, beyond excited about your new book called Fear Is Not the Boss of You. I have read this book. I think I laughed. I cried. I was in my feels. I felt courageous to take on the world at any given moment in any two sentences or any one chapter. So thank you for sharing this gift with the world. It feels so vulnerable when the people you love are reading it. Does that make sense? Like it feels a little less vulnerable when it's strangers and when I know it's you and, and, you know, I regard you as such a close friend. Um, I'm like, Oh gosh, I hope I did a good job. I did a good job. But did the, the job that I felt God asked for me to. And so, um, so yeah, I, I'm still in a little bit of shock about how timely it is just because I can't think of a better time for, to have a book come out about fear than a time. I mean, when else has the world been this fearful? And so, um, so yeah, I hope that it's helpful. Yes, it absolutely is. And Jen, I would love for you to give people the backstory of why you wrote this book, you it's coming out with um, Zonderman Publishing Publishers, and you, um, I would just love for you to invite us in on the conversation of why you wrote this book because you wrote it a year ago. Yeah, so, um, so I have been wanting to write a book for years and years, uh, but I always thought I was going to write like a DIY book. So, like four years ago, Carrie, I took um, my blog. I had been blogging at the time for like eight or nine years about DIY projects, house stuff, painting. And so I had like eight years of content sitting on my website. Somebody gave me the great idea of, well, just put that into a book. Like, you've already got all the content. And I was like, you know what? I could totally do that. So, literally, I copy and pasted my entire blog into a Word document. 
And then I didn't know what to do with it. I was like, well, I hope that, you know, somebody's going to ask me if I want to make this into a book. And of course that never happened because I didn't understand how the book process works. I even had a name for it and everything. It was called hot mess, not your typical DIY book. I don't even know if I ever told you that. So that was four years ago. And that book has sat and died a lonely death in my word (laughs) software. And, um, and about two years ago, I was introduced to a book agent from a mutual friend and they saw the book agent saw that I have a pretty large platform in particular on Facebook with 360,000 followers. And she was like, I'd like to do a book proposal with you and we can send it off to some different publishers. And I was like, okay, awesome. Because I've been wanting to do a book. And she's like, but do you want it to be a DIY book? And I was like, you know what? I, I really don't. God had really been transitioning me out of owning a painting company and into the space of coaching. And yes, I coach women on how to build their business in the online space. And I coach them on how to do social media and monetize their social media. But my heart is really just for women in general. So when we really tried to flush out, okay, if I was going to do a book, like what would the book even be about? And the thing that I just kept going back to over and over was to help women do the things that they're afraid to do. And uh, because I'm not a naturally courageous person, I feel like I've just kind of gotten into a groove where I just keep saying yes to things that scare me because usually something really great is on the other side of that. And so, um, so we wrote up a book proposal. She presented it to seven different publishing companies. Four of them gave me a book offer, which was amazing. And so then we had to set about, okay, now we thought it was going to be about this. Is this really what the book's about? And really like, you know, deciding what angle to come from. And that whole process was really hard, Carrie. It was like, I don't know. It's, it took a couple of months of really trying to figure out exactly, okay, we're going to talk about fear, but from what angle and, and, and how are you going to set that up? And what's your hope that a woman will feel when she's done? And so by the time we actually figured that out, I literally only had six weeks to write the book and I wrote the book last summer. So it wasn't quite a year. By the time the book comes out, it would be like 10 months. So you're almost exactly at a year. And, um, Basically, I wrote the book for women who are stuck, completely overwhelmed or terrified with fear, because I have been all three at many, many times in my life. And I felt like that was what I could write that would minister to the most women, um, not necessarily in business, although it will help you in your business if you have a business, but, uh, but really just for any woman who has ever felt scared of the things that she wants to do or the things that she's feeling like God is calling her to do. Wow. And I, as I read through here, Jennifer, this book is really a great combination of you really being vulnerable and sharing your heart. You like, this is an inside look also at how you have overcome and conquered the fear in your own life, obstacles that you have had to overcome. And like you were saying, you have just constantly said yes to the hard and the big scary things. And as your dear friend and as someone who is a friend in in business with you and who has watched you as well, you have continually done that. I know in business, but in every single area of your life. So what would you say to the woman right now who is listening and feels paralyzed in what they're doing? They feel like things are two obstacles are too hard to overcome and they're almost paralyzed. Yeah. Well, sometimes, um, and I can answer that in a lot of different ways. And so I'll try to answer it in like the sweetest way possible. But I talk a little bit in the book, Carrie, about, and I know you read this part, how we just give so much, like we let our feelings have so much control over us. And we're constantly talking about our feelings and looking at our feelings and feeling our feelings. And 
I, I do think that um, we need to be very aware of our feelings and we need to share our feelings and we need to work through our feelings. But I also think that we have to get to a place where we realize our feelings aren't always leading us down the right path. And I've said this a million times. When I get done with this podcast right now, Carrie, if I listen to my feelings, I'll go straight to the refrigerator, open up a tub of raw chocolate chip cookie dough, and I'll eat it with a spoon. That's because, I, you know what I mean? If I let my feelings direct me, I will go sit on the sofa and I'll watch HGTV and scroll Facebook the rest of the day. The truth is our feelings aren't always a good director for us. And so I think we have to get to the point where we're like, okay, I can't always trust my feelings. Am I scared? Yes. But is that a reason to stop? No. Okay. Am I absolutely, you know, overwhelmed with indecision or with all the decisions? And, you know, yes. But is that a good enough reason to just stay there? No. Like, and I, for me, I wrote a whole chapter in the book where it's, um, it's a chapter on math. <laughs> and I just basically said, I'm taking it back to math, to algebra class, where you remember the sign that, uh, you know, the greater than sign, it looked like yeah. this. Is that a, that's a really bad visual, but it looked like the alligator jaws. And something is always greater than something. And so I think that when a woman figures out, well, what is greater to her than her fear, that that is the best uh, incentivizer, for lack of a better word, or the best thing to kind of probe her into doing some action. So for me... God is number one on my list of things that are bigger than my fear, things that are more important to me than my fear. So if God's asking me to do something, I believe that I have a responsibility here on the side of heaven to do it. Um, the second thing is I have a family that's watching me and that's needing me also to do things that are big, hard and scary so that they can see how um, to walk that out in their own life. You know, between the two of us, we have a lot of kids, you and me, <laughs> have a lot of children. So, uh, so we have four, three biological, words are hard biological children um, and one child that we are in the middle of adopting. And um, I do think that as mothers and as parents, we have such an incredible opportunity and responsibility to show courage to our children. You know, and I talk in the book about how we've got the school will teach my kids Spanish and um, I've got, you know, a driver's ed teacher to teach them how to drive and the church hopefully is helping teach them Bible scripture, but who's teaching our kids courage? Like we can't outsource that. As parents, we have a responsibility to do that and walk that out in front of our kids. And by the way, they're going to use that more than they'll ever use chemistry or algebra or three, you know what I mean, in their lifetime. And then the third thing is I talk about having a responsibility to our communities and our communities doesn't necessarily mean, um, you know, the neighborhood that we live in. It can mean your online community. You and I both have, you know, Facebook followings and Instagram followings. It can mean your church community. It can mean your neighborhood community, but people are always watching. And when they see you live your life, um, from a position of doing things that you're wanting to do and that God's asking you to do, regardless of your feelings, it gives them the courage to do the same thing with their life. And so figuring out what is more important to you than your fear, I think is key to getting out of that place of being stuck. Absolutely. And you did write a chapter too, of a lot of times what keeps us stuck can be getting in our own way. Mm -hmm. And I would love for you to to speak about that, maybe some instances from your own life where that you shared in the book, where um, maybe you've seen women or you yourself have really identified that you've gotten in your own way. And I love in your book also, Jen, that you help us identify the thing. This is a practical book as well as, as to what it is that's keeping us stuck and really putting a name to it. Because if we can't put a name to whatever's holding us back, then how are we ever going to deal with it? Right. Becoming really aware of yourself and why you are where you are, I think is so key. So I think so often we get in our own way by doing things like comparison. And, um, and comparison, a lot of times will happen 
on social media. And so I talk about that in the book that social media is amazing. This is how I make my living. This is how you make your living, Carrie. Like, it's so great. There's so many wonderful things. However, if we are in a constant comparison trap on social media, it will keep us stuck. When we're watching other people win, when we're watching other people do it different than us, we have a hard time, I think, hearing from God on how we're supposed to be doing it and showing up authentically as ourselves. So comparison is huge. Self-sabotage is a way that we get in our own way. And um, I actually talk in the book, I give several examples. I mean, I even talk about my friend Carrie Ravina in the book. And just different times when we both like shot ourselves in the foot because we were either scared of success or scared of failure. And um, and so, and if you haven't gotten to that chapter yet, Carrie, where I talk about you, <laughs> you will. Yeah. Yeah, sure, yeah. And so uh, and so, and I, I think that I positioned that really well. I hope that I did anyway. Yeah. But I think that so often we can find ourselves like getting a little bit of momentum and then the fear of, oh crap, what is actually happening here? And then we back up and we get in our own way and we put our own car in reverse. And so there's lots of things that we do subconsciously or consciously, I think, to get in our own way. Um, sometimes we're our own worst enemies. And, and, and I talk in the book about if you're somebody that's been stuck for a while, I think a lot of times we will choose to stay stuck, especially if you're a woman who's gone through a lot of pain in your life, because at least you know what feeling stuck feels like. And at least you're familiar with being stuck. And at least you're familiar with that place because stepping out of that and into a different place um, has so many question marks, right? Like you just, you don't know what it's going to be like over there. At least if, if this is miserable, at least, you know, miserable, but then, you know, to try to step out of that and into another place feels just really vulnerable. And so I think that that's another way we often get in our own way. We stay stuck intentionally. That is so key. And that has happened to me in my life before, because it's easy to stay where there's comfort and we don't like to be uncomfortable. I don't know about you, but it is, we just do not like, um, not be comfortable. And part of it is just a lot of it is just stepping out and saying, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, I agree 100% with that. And I can't remember exactly how I said it, but it's something along the lines of familiar feels good, even when it's actually bad. And um, I have that quote in the book that that's so often, you know, it's like, we all can remember back in high school when we'd have a friend who was dating a guy that we just knew was a jerk. And we just knew that like, he wasn't the one for her. And we're like, why on earth did she stay with that guy? Like, it's so obvious to us, right? And so I kind of use that as an example, like um, some, so often we do the exact same thing. We stay with someone, we stay somewhere, we stay doing something that's not a good fit. And it's like, it's kind of obvious to everybody else, but us. And we kind of need that, you know, head hit upside the head. At least I do sometimes to get going and to get some motion. But I think recognizing why you are where you are is key to get you going. Yes. And one other thing too that you address or many things that you do, but also Jen, the work hard mentality that we hear and see happening all around us that the world is, is trying to sell to us. And how would you address that? Well, I just, um, working hard is biblical, but it's interesting that I feel like in America, we've taken work hard and we've twisted it into that means work long and, and, and bulldoze over whatever is in my way, even at the expense of my family, even at the expense of my relationships, even at the expense, like um, either go hard or go home, I think is sometimes the, the message that we're being given. Um, 
And that grieves me deeply. And you and I have had many conversations about this because um, you can't out hustle God and you can't, you can't hustle your way into a place that you were never meant for. And, um, and I know that there are so many people that they're believing the lie that if they would just work harder, that they would have success at whatever it is they're doing. And I actually think that God calls us to work smarter and that he gives us resources and people and, um, and that he's constantly like working to position and pivot us. And if we'll lean more into that than the hustle, hustle, hustle mantra, because listen, you can only hustle, hustle, hustle for so long before your family resents you, your body starts to give out on you. And, um, and then you eventually look and you're like, what, what am I even hustling for? And the only reason I know this is because I've walked straight through it. And so, um, so I do talk about that in the book about, um, how to hustle less and pray more and how to hustle less and work smarter. And it's not that we're supposed to be lazy, but, um, I just, I think that right now we're being fed that we can do everything. Ladies, you can have it all. And the truth is we can have it all, but we can't have it at the same time. Because every time I'm saying yes to something, I am inevitably saying no to something else. So I'm saying yes to this podcast with you this morning. That means I'm saying no to my children and my husband who are in the other room doing homeschooling right now, since we're all, you know, sheltered in place. And, and I'm, I'm happy to do that. felt like I was supposed to. But every time you do say yes to something, you are saying no to other things. And so I think that the hustle, hustle, hustle mantra is very dangerous for women. I agree that it is dangerous. and thinking of our time in terms of saying yes to something is saying no to something else is revolutionary to people. The revelation I know to a lot of people and to me when, when I really thought about that, because in business many times, and I'm not excited, you know, to say this, but my um, listeners and the people here know that I'm always hashtag real talk, but there was a time when I felt that I did put my business above my family. And this is not, I don't believe what you're saying in the book is to, there are seasons that are, we're going to have seasons. You're going to have to work hard. Mm -hmm. And so I had to make that, um, that flip in my brain, because when I first started my business, I really went all out. We were in a place where we had to, we had no income. And so my husband was home with the babies and I did a trip around the U S for two weeks in a minivan all by myself, you know, like not knowing what I was doing, but doing event after event after event. And at that time, that was the best yes that I could have given at that moment. I totally get that. And so I think that there are seasons for everything and God gives us grace for a season, but the season can't become a lifetime. I had a friend tell me once, you never want to be the busiest person in a graveyard. And when he said that to me, like I heard him, like I was like, oh, I had a friend tell me one time, a girl I go to church with, she said, Jennifer, you're the busiest person I know. And I just, I think she said it like in a joking, like kind of funny, almost proud of you girl way, but it hurt me so deeply, like not her words, but just the knowledge that I don't want to be the busiest person I know. That is so gross. I want to be the most honorable person somebody knows, or, you know, the most faith-filled person or the, the woman who's got her priorities. So I don't want to be the busiest. That is disgusting. And so I, there have been times when I've really had to like examine, okay, Lord, am I doing this for ego? Or am I actually doing it because I'm supposed to? Am I doing this because it's actually what you want me to do or just because I'm saying yes to everything? And in different seasons, of course, I've had to push on the gas on my business for the same reason as you, Carrie. And, you know, um, and those seasons have obviously done very well, but we just can't 
I think, stretch that season into a lifetime, uh, at least not at the expense of other people that we love. Right. We'll miss the whole point of why we're living on this earth and why God made us and why God put us here. We will miss the point. And I don't want to live my whole life missing the purpose and the reason that I'm here. And I know that that's not your heart either. So 100%. I love in chapter 11, it's called the world is watching. So give them something good to watch. And how timely is this for us even right now? Yeah. Well, yeah, because, you know, it's interesting. You and I both, we coach a bunch of business people. And so I think sometimes it's um, easy for people to think, well, they have a platform, so that applies to them. But everybody has a platform. Like Jesus only had 12 followers, by the way. <laughs> so <laughs> he had a platform, though. Uh, and, uh, dare I say the most po- powerful one ever. And so we all have people who are watching us, even if it's, you know, our neighbor somebody that um, we interact with at the grocery store, maybe not right now where we're sheltering in place, but, you know, we have people who are watching us live our life. And most of us are, you know, we're posting on social media. Um, Even if you don't have a business page, you're still posting on your personal page and you're posting about your life and your kids and your dogs and what's happening in the world right now. And people are watching. And I think we have a responsibility to really show up in a way that is more filled with peace than panic. And in a way that is more Christ-centered than panic-centered. And and so I do talk about that, that when it comes to like women who are terrified, completely overwhelmed or stuck, there are people that are watching them. And it so often, Carrie, it just takes us watching somebody who's gone before us to go, you know what? She did it. She Mm -hmm. did it. She did it. I can totally do it too. And it doesn't have to be a sit-down conversation. It's just watching other people's lives and feeling like, it almost gives you permission to do certain things in your own life. And so people are always watching. And so I talk in that chapter about, please, like, do the hard work of slaying your own dragons so that your children don't have to slay the same ones. You know, walk that out in front of them because they're watching. You've got people in your community who are watching. You've got a spouse, a lot, most people, mm-hmm. uh, not all, but, you know, even if you don't have a spouse, you have family that's watching you live your life. And when you are braver with your own life and show up with courage in your own life, despite your feelings of fear, when you do that, people see it and it makes them want to go do, you know, the same thing and slay their own dragons in their own life. So I think sometimes we forget And now more than ever before, like people are watching us because right now, while we all are sheltering in place, like the whole wide world is on social media. Are they not? Yeah. I keep getting the spinning wheel of death all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening to the Wi-Fi around here? But you know, so people are, uh, they're on social media more than ever. So make sure in real life and on social media, you're giving them something powerful to watch. And it doesn't mean that you're always in performance mode. But it does mean that you are doing the things on this side of heaven that you really want to do, that you feel really led to do, that you're feeling like God's calling you to do, even if you're scared to be doing it anyway, because when people see that, it really gives them permission to do the same thing in their own life. Yes. And one other, there are a couple other chapters, Jen, that I want to talk about. And so um, the chapter following that of the whole world is watching. So give them something good to watch. You talk about what fear got to do with it. And that is the whole title of your book. And can you give us a snapshot of that chapter? Sure. So I remember um, 
I coach a couple thousand women every month on how to build their business, like how to get more social media followers and how to make money off that. And part of my training is we do live coaching calls um, several times a month. And so there was a woman that I was coaching at some point over the course of the last year. And um, she wanted to do something in her business. It was launch a course or a paid group or something. And she, and I said, okay, so, you know, why haven't you done that yet? She was like, well, I'm scared. And I'm like, and, and she was like, well, I I don't want to do it when I'm scared. Like I, you know, she's basically, she was saying she was waiting until her feelings caught up (laughs) with her brain. And, and then she was waiting until the feelings of fear passed. And I, I explained to her, look, I don't know that your feelings have anything to do with it. I mean, yes, you're scared, acknowledge that you're scared, but then there's still things that you need to get going and doing. And I talked in that chapter about how the fear may or may not ever go away and how confidence may or may not ever come. And I use my own example of how God used a triathlon for my 40th birthday eight years ago to really like show me this point. Um, I, as you know, Carrie, when I was 39, I had a friend take me to go watch a triathlon here in Kansas city. I'd never been to a triathlon before. I didn't have any idea what to expect. I like wasn't athletic. I mean, I played athletic in high school and I jogged, but I had zero desire to do a triathlon. So we go to this lake here in Kansas city and there were 800 women competing that morning in a triathlon and they're swimming 500 meters in a lake and then they bike and they run. And so I'm watching it with my friend, Christy, and I'm thinking it's a beautiful day. This is really amazing. We're watching 800 women, one after one, jump into the lake. And the last woman to jump in was this woman who was probably 70, 75 years old. She was in like a really stretched out one piece swimsuit and she jumped in the water. She didn't jump. I mean, she talked, but she walked very gingerly because she was in her seventies and she had um, a snorkel like I used on our honeymoon, like, (laughs) you know, at St. Thomas. And so she swam the whole thing with a snorkel. And I just remember watching her and she was swimming so slow, which I wasn't judging because I couldn't swim at all. I didn't know how to swim. And so she's slowing, you know, she's going so slow. And I remember when she got out of the water and it probably took her a good 30 minutes to swim. We all went crazy cheering for this woman. And I started crying because I thought she's 70 something years old and out there swimming in front of all these people. And I won't even get into a swimsuit in front of half my friends. You know what I mean? <laughs> if I did, I'd be worried about my waterproof mascara and the size of my thighs. And if she can do a triathlon, like I should be able to do a triathlon. Like why haven't I ever done a triathlon? And then I was like, oh yeah, because I can't swim. That is a huge hindrance for triathlon. So I ended up challenging myself to do a triathlon, that same exact one for my next year, in the next year in July for my birthday. So for my 40th birthday, I decided to do a triathlon and it was really cool. I was, I had blogged about it and, um, uh, the morning show, like with Matt Lauer picked up the story. They sent somebody out to do like a whole, um, segment on, you know, what it looks like to turn 40 and whatever year that was back then. Cause it used to be women would go to Vegas and now women are doing weird things like a triathlon. I got eight of my friends to train and do the triathlon with me. And it was the morning of my 40th birthday triathlon. We go out and, you know, I'm ready. I had worked all year with a swim coach to learn how to swim, how to blow bubbles underwater. Like it was awful. I just was an awful swimmer, Carrie. I was a sinker. I was not a swimmer. And I start, you know, swimming through the lake and I had a complete panic attack and I had to like sit on the lifeguards, like big buoy. And he was like, ma'am, are you going to be okay? And I was thinking to myself, I'm going to punch this kid straight between the eyes because he's like 10 years old and I birthed three kids out of this body and I'm about to finish this triathlon. Like I was so mad and angry and I finished the triathlon and did not die. And then was foolish enough or brave enough, one of the two to do another one six weeks later. And the same thing happened. I had a panic attack in the water again. And now eight years later, I've done 10 triathlons and I've had a panic attack in the water every single time every single time. So I talk in the book and in that chapter about 
you know, we may always feel scared, but that isn't permission to say no. And that isn't permission to stop doing the thing. I keep going back and doing more triathlons, even though I have panic attacks, because every time I do it, it reminds me, okay, I feel scared. I feel one way, but I don't die. I feel one way, but I don't die. And I really think that God has used the triathlons as a training ground for me to show me, Jennifer, you can do hard things and not die. And I'm going to keep putting hard things in front of you and you're not going to die. So even though you're scared and you've got all these feelings of fear, you're still going to make it. And I still have things on the side of heaven I need for you to do. Amen. That is a great story. I, I mean, it, that was one of those chapters where I was life, I was laughing and then I was crying and then I was courageous all at the same time thinking, yes, I can do that. And I believe in this time and this season that we're living in too as well. It's more, it's so important for us to remember that we do need to, we, we can do hard things and to not stay there because I believe that God is birthing things right now in this season in every single area of life, especially in business. You know that that's my heart and that's your heart as well. Uh, I think right now too, like here, I was thinking just this morning about even though the world is in like the weirdest place possible. I mean, let's be honest. (laughs) There are still women who have dreams of starting a business and growing the business that they've started. And fear is right now, like keeping them paralyzed, like not a good time to make any changes, not a good time to, because that's, you know, what the world would want to tell us and want us to be consumed by fear. But I hope that that chapter is really helpful for women to see that there are so many things we still need to do in spite of our fear. And our kids need to watch us do that. And it it gives us courage to keep saying yes to the next right thing and the next right thing and the next right thing. Yeah. And you say you even have one of your last chapters, take the first step. And I believe that is a word for people who are watching today. And Jen, as we wrap up this episode, um, talking about fear is not the boss of you. Can you tell people where where they can get it a little bit about you and, and what you do if somebody is saying now is the time? Now is not the time, I believe, to take your foot off the gas. If you are someone who God is asking you to do something, you might be limited physically on what you can do, but we're never limited by the spiritual. We're right. never limited by what's going on around us because we, the, the world is not where our source and our resources, first of all, our resources from God. And at the same time, we are in a time where we have technology and we can birth things right now. And I know that you help people do that. So tell us all the things on how people can get connected to you, work with you um, and get in touch with your book. Sure. Okay. So if somebody is listening right now and they're like, I am scared, I'm completely overwhelmed and I'm absolutely stuck and you want the book today. If you go to jenniferallwood.com slash book, I would order it from Barnes and Noble today. Barnes and Noble decided to send it out early, Carrie. I'm like, somebody knew that the world needed it now. Thank you, Jesus. So Barnes and Noble, people are already getting their Barnes and Noble copies. I had several women message me yesterday. So that's amazing. If you go to jenniferowen.com slash book and you want to order it from Amazon, the cool thing about Amazon is the book doesn't come out until two weeks from today. So on April the 7th, the book launches. Um, But you will pay the cheapest price between now and April 7th for the book. So that's really cool. They've marked the book down $5 right now, which is cool. So you can go to jenniferallwood.com and get it either today on Barnes and Noble or in two weeks off of Amazon. Um, Also, if you just go to jenniferallwood.com, you can find out all about my coaching there. So 
Basically, I coach women on how to start a business and how to grow a business using social media. I have over half a million social media followers. And so I feel like I'm equipped to teach women how to get more followers. But the truth is that sometimes people are getting followers, but the followers aren't buying. So I also teach them how to monetize the followers that you have. Because it's one thing to have a following, but it's another thing to be able to make money with those followers. So they can find out about that at jenniferalwood.com also, or just go listen to my podcast. Since we're recording a podcast, I know these people are probably a podcast listener. So just look for the Jennifer Allwood show. We just kept it all really simple. Jennifer Allwood, <laughs> everywhere you go. Like people are like, what's your podcast called? I'm like, it's just called the Jennifer Allwood show. We couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> I love that about you. You are so real and you have a heart for women. You are women's biggest cheerleader on the planet. You are a savvy business person and having an inside peek to your friendship and to your life, you are so genuine and one of the most caring people I know. I know that you, you know that you have a responsibility, Jen, to what God has called you to do and the platform that he's given you and how deeply you care about the women and their businesses really inspires me. And as a friend, you inspire me. So thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Thanks. You're awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. Love you. Love you too, friend. Thanks for listening to the Dream Builders podcast with Carrie Robina. Subscribe or follow Dream Builders wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to share this episode with a dream builder in your life.